Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop, and I'm so glad that you tuned in because our time together on these podcasts is meant to equip you and inspire you to help you learn and grow and gain new ideas and insights that compel you to action, that compel you to live life courageously and confidently, and to live a life that is unhindered and unleashed, to play full out and live fully into who you were created to be. And on our show today, I have invited Lena Abujamra to share her story of how she lives her life unleashed and what limitations or perceived limitations she had to overcome to pursue and experience playing full out and living fully into who she was created to be while making her best contribution to others by living out her passion and purpose. A little bit about Lena. She's a pediatric ER doctor and founder of Living with Power Ministries. Her vision is to bring hope to the world by connecting biblical answers to everyday life. Lena has authored several books, including Thrive, Stripped, and Resolved, and you can watch her inspiring thousands with her Faith Booster series and other Bible teachings on YouTube and her Living with Power app. Lena is the host of today's Single Christian on Moody Radio and the host of Morning Minutes, a daily audio devotional available on her website. Well, Lena, welcome to the show. It's awesome to be here. I love hanging out with you. I know. It's so good to be in this word, like in this box, you guys, this podcast box. It's very, very cozy and the heat feels like it's turning up. There's it, it no is. air conditioning. It is. It's like two feet by one foot. It's crazy. <laughs> so I'm glad we like each other. Right. Because we're in very close quarters. It does smell really good in here for what it's worth. I think it's your perfume. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so how are you doing these days? What's going on? Great. I just made a big life transition and uh, that's awesome. I uh, told a lot of my people, I guess, recently, but I have been for the last, I don't know, 16 years or so managing sort of my ER world and my ministry world and really felt called to ministry about 16 years ago as I was finishing up my fellowship. And I knew at the time that at some point I'd face out of the ER and it's um, happening. Basically, I a couple of years ago took on a second doctor job. So I've been doing telemedicine pretty much full time. Wow. And so I've been doing that. But you can control the time. So I do it in the morning, in the evening, you know, sort of. So see that's patients. like literally over the phone. Yeah. Like yeah. People calling maybe FaceTime someone, or something. You know, maybe okay. no, someone video. Yeah. And some oh, okay. audio. Someone, someone listening might have been my patient before. I mean, there's hmm. thousands upon thousands of patients that call in. I work for MD Live and it's been great. So that has allowed me to basically become debt free and wow. phase out of my ER job to PRN. So I'm technically still on staff at the hospital and I'll pick up shifts as they become available. But this took effect as of five days ago. So it's pretty exciting. So wow. now like I'm traveling, speaking, writing, doing telemedicine. So yeah, it's a new world. It's fun. That's, I'm living unleashed. Yes, you living are. It. And thank you so much for being here and generously sharing your story of how you are living a life unleashed with our listeners, because stories are so powerful, mm. aren't they? And yeah. when we just get to share transparently and invite other people into kind of the inner workings of our story, because oftentimes people just see the highlight reel, right. but they don't see all the behind the scenes thing is today you're going to share with us some of the obstacles yeah. that you had to overcome and really getting to this point and living Correct. fully into, you know, this next phase of your, 
journey. And I just uh, want to say one of your many gifts is compelling people to action. And one mm-hmm. of the goals of this podcast is that it it isn't just 30 minutes of people getting new information. We mm-hmm. really want information to turn into transformation. And one of the things that you're really good at is compelling people to action because you have mm-hmm. such a passion and fervor for what you do. I've seen you in action and just being in your space. It's like a dose of like energizing caffeine. <laughs> and I love it. But what I was listening to your little video on your living with power, um, livingwithpower.org, right? That's a website. The video I thought was awesome. And one of the things that you said on there, a couple things you said or you shared is that in 2012, you founded founded Living With Power Ministries and you've shared that even though you were teaching on how to live with power for others, that your life didn't necessarily reflect God's power. Mm. You mentioned you found yourself easily shaken, afraid, worried, on the verge of quitting. And if circumstances didn't go your way, you started to doubt. And if people didn't pump you up with compliments, you wanted to quit. You also mentioned that your entire world seemed dictated by external circumstances. I think I can, anybody can Mm. raise their hand to that. And you felt like a victim, not an overcomer, and always striving and trying, but never quite reaching your goals. Tell us a little bit more about that. Right. Um, You know, life is a process, I think. I don't think there's any quick answers to anything. But I I did that video a couple years ago, actually, sort of to summarize who I am. And I think people are easily deceived by labels. So they hear doctor, they hear author, they hear sort of those things that make them make a mental image of what a person should be. They hear high energy, you know, kind of intense talk, and they're like automatically think this world doesn't have any problems. I'm mm. not married, even at both. I mean, on one hand, you can say, well, that's a problem. But really, many people in 2017 think that's a blessing because, man, you can do, go anywhere, do anything you want. You have the world at your fingertips. And, and yet it's not always the way it seems. And uh, for me, I mean, I've always been very open about my struggles. I, I, one of the advantages of writing books is that you sort of have to lay it bare. Otherwise, you're not really writing. You're making, I guess, fiction, maybe. Right, right. But, but I've written nonfiction. And, and, and I think the Lord is really, I, I hate pretending in others. And so I, I guess I've always felt compelled to be authentic because that's who I am. But I think, you know, this desire for approval, this desire for affirmation, mm goes way back. I think all of us have a certain desire for that. In my culture, I'm Lebanese. I grew up in Lebanon. I think that's driven even more. A lot of our worth is in our performance. You know, if you do well, you get good results. And so that's easily transla- translatable into the Christian world. I grew up in a, in the church world as well, even in Lebanon. And I guess back in the 80s, there was a sense of legalism to it, you know, do's and don'ts. Now, I think the church overall is a little better at that, although still, I think some pockets of church can, it's so easy, it's easy to Mm -hmm. live by performance because it's tangible. Well, even in today's social media, how many people liked my post? How many people, you know, on Twitter gave me a shout out or Instagram? So we we kind of even more tangibly live and die by, am I approved by others? And, And in the Christian world, it's deceptive and it's hard because you know mentally and spiritually it shouldn't be this way but then even like across it started publishing and even the publishing world is the worst and they're driven obviously by dollars and cents and they want to sell books they want to stay alive at the end of the day but but as an author and as i started writing my whole self-worth felt so tied in with how how well my books would do mm. and how many speaking engagements i would get and now not only were you struggling with you, your own issues but now you had a platform to compare yourself to everybody else because you're seeing the, you can look for it you can tell the amazon rank you can decipher many things but you don't know the full story and so right. it's not it's not a fair comparison so for someone who's already um you know a person who might be a victim of those ways, uh, you know, sort of a pattern of thinking that's, de- that's destructive. 
I think to be thrown into this mix of performance in the Christian world, which is where I felt my calling, really had the potential to be destructive. And what the, the really the liberating truth, I think, that to this day I have to remind myself is that it, when, I, when you read this passage about what I said on the video, I mean, all this weakness, like it's sometimes it makes me sick to hear that about myself in a way. But then I remember Jesus is attracted to weakness. Mm. And brokenness is the way. And I, I, I just love that about him. And so the key isn't just, okay, I'm going to get stronger. Yes, that's what we want. Everybody wants to be stronger. But I think where we miss it is we think if I get better, I'll be stronger. If I fix my issues, I'll be stronger. Mm. Whereas really the upside down philosophy of Jesus and his way is that in your brokenness, in your weakness, there is strength. Right. And so it's not so much getting stronger. It's tapping into his strength. And now all of a sudden there's a thing that flows through you that's not about you. And so now you can tell them, hey, I struggle with my self-image. I struggle with my fear of failure. I struggle with disappointing people, but I've turned those struggles over to Jesus and I feel free. But I think it's so powerful too, though. And even as we look at culture, it says the exact opposite. Like our, our worth is by our status, the car we drive, the house yeah. we have, the relationships we have and so forth. So it really is yep. counter to, to culture. Um, but the, the other thing in that is people who aren't followers of Christ will, will struggle with the same issue of comparison, yeah. right? And it can be incredibly limiting. Well, and it never ends. Yeah. I mean, having escalated the echelons of higher education, really traveling the world. I mean, there's really, I think the Lord's blessed me in many, many ways. And I can tell you, it never ends. Yeah. You'll buy your favorite coat and there'll be another one you've somebody else will be wearing that you prefer and you'll get a house and you want to, I mean, it just never ends. It's exhausting. Right. And who doesn't feel that? And so there's a point where you just go enough. Mm -hmm. And you know, the material stuff, I mean, to me, hasn't uh, ever been as much of a struggle as the self-worth. Sure. You know, right. And what I, what I love though, I love hearing people who are successful and I, you are well known in mm -hmm. the Christian realm. And I, I love hearing your story and just the honesty of it because it almost gives other people permission to, I don't know, come out of hiding it a little bit. I was having a, a dinner with a friend yesterday mm -hmm. and she's never really shared her ultimate vulnerabilities with mm -hmm. anyone just out of fear and rejection. And so she looks at other people and thinks they have it so all together or they, they must be extra special because they mm -hmm. were able to accomplish this. But the more that we can share our stories with one another, I think it just helps each other along in our journey too. Yeah. But tell us a little bit, what does it mean for you to live unleashed in your life? Well, I think, um, I think to be free in, the, in every way. And I, I think there's a, you know, there's a certain, and, and, but not just free, I guess. I, I mean, we're talking about vulnerabilities. We're talking about being open, but still at the end of the day, I don't want to, like, if you have a wound, I mean, the first step is to recognize the wound, but you want to be healed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, that's my job is to help people get healed. Right. And so, so I think when I think of li living unleashed, it's not just about saying, okay, I'm weak or I'm broken or, but now allowing Jesus to come in and heal us. And now that healing happens in a certain way. I think that there's really a way of submission and surrender and a way of weakness. But, but I think there is healing, mm -hmm. it, you know, there is a life that's unleashed and, and it's free of, of the demands of other people on you. Now you're functioning, you're still doing, but you're not doing forgetting. You're doing out of being. 
and it's like an overflow of who you are in Christ. So, and so it could mean it's it, even like making it very practical because all this can become very like theoretical talking, but very practical, like even a decision to leave work. So I'm feel very liberated right now because, you know, obviously I paid my debt. I, I, I am now, you know, debt free and my mortgage paid, which is amazing. But for two years, I worked every single stinking day of my life at two doctor jobs and ministry. But I had a goal and, wow. I, you know, now I, so there's a process to living unleashed. And, 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 and I think that's the same in the Christian life. Like there are some things, there are some disciplines you have to be under. And eventually if you're, if you stay God's way, you're going to see him get you to the place where now, so, so I make a decision to step down from the ER. Many people thought I was crazy. Mm. It wasn't like an easy decision. It's easy now to look at me and go a week into it, man, this is, we're so, we love what you did and whatnot, but there are many skeptics still going, Sure. well, she gave it up for what? For Jesus? Like, she's crazy. You know, maybe she has another plan. Maybe she inherited something. You know, there's so many theories that can float around, but really it's the living life unleashed, which is a knowledge of what God wants for my life and who he is. And the smarts, the wisdom, I think God wants us to be wise Absolutely. of doing the things that are necessary to be done. So, so that's just a financial example. Relationally, I think there's some work that you might have to do. There are some relationships you might have to cut out of your life in order to be unleashed or, mm. or maybe go look for relationships, being single. That's often a struggle, which is, okay, you want to be unleashed in your relationships as a single. Well, you can't stay home all the time as uncomfortable. And I, I know this will come as a shock. I'm sort of an introvert when it comes to real social life. Yeah, I I'm hear good you. in this setting, but I'm really an introvert. So it, it will, but if I complain about my relationships all the time and I'm feeling in a prison because the unleashed life, the opposite of that is the prison life. Well, you're never going to get out of prison sitting, staring at your phone, mm -hmm. talking to some virtual person somewhere in the world. And, and it might be uncomfortable, but, but there's a step of faith. Well, and I hear that too, that living a life unleashed and continuing to pursue that, there's yeah. risk involved and there's That's vulnerability it. in the risk. So I'm curious, what were some of the, because you made a, a huge transition. ER doctor, that's how you're, you know, identified in a lot of ways. And you had been doing ministry as well, but you're going into full-time ministry. And by the way, I want to say that you you may not be as a listener going into full-time ministry, but there's some other transition in the future. Or there's some, some way that you feel like maybe you're holding back or you have like, you know, more to live more fully into. And so they're in that process are going to be perceived or real limitations. And so what are some of the limitations that you experience, real or perceived, in this process of continuing to live fully into right. what God has for you? Well, and just to comment on that, because I agree, I think it don't get sidetracked by the ministry thing, because I don't work for anyone. I have a nonprofit, basically. I do international health, and I do Bible teaching and whatnot. But it's what, really, I would, the point of connection, I think, if you're listening to this is, it's pursuing your dream. Yes. It's really your dream. And so 18, and that could be anything. In 2001, I started teaching a Bible study and it, it was, I mean, I'll give you a summary, actually two minute summary of, of how this all came, you know, how I came into my calling because I was a doctor <laughs> and I wanted to serve God because I was a Christian and Christians generally want to follow Jesus wherever Jesus says he wants us to go. And I thought I'd be a missionary and, and doing medicine in Africa or something. And it just, every door I pursued just didn't really feel right. And it just wasn't it, you know, it's like dating. You just know this isn't the guy. He might be great. It just wasn't for me. And so I ended up, um, 
I got engaged and I ended up breaking the engagement. And in this process, though, I had a best friend for 10 years and I ended up losing that relationship. It was devastating for me. And I showed up to my fellowship and it was a horrible, broken time for me. Mm. And I felt mad at God and I felt disappointed in God. I, I had already committed my life to him. And I thought I was walking in obedience and everything I thought he would do, he didn't do. You know, I was just, like, I was just in a bad place. Well, and I think our listeners can relate to that. I, I can relate to that, too. Right. And I love that you just were on I, it's okay to be mad at God. Sometimes we're afraid. Right. We're afraid he can right. handle it. Right. And I was like, you know, and I hadn't dated a lot. So I had been pure. And so, you know, I mean, again, not perfect. I mean, but, I hadn't, you know, I felt like I did my part and God hadn't done his. Yeah. So I'm in that place and God really started healing me. And he did it through people. He did it through his word and he did it slowly but surely. It was clear like God was just trying to get me to see what it means to have relationship with him. And I started understanding. And out of that experience, I was given a chance to teach a Bible study where I stood up, not just come to my house, share, you know, that's one forum of Bible study, but it was the first time in my life where I stood up and taught the Bible. I hate, I know my mom hates to hear me say that, but to preach the word. You know, and, I just, <laughs> like, and I get the whole nuance. I mean, I don't want to get into a debate on, but although that's one of my, my things I want to talk about in a minute. But, <laughs> but the truth is I just it was felt like a new world had opened up to me. It was honestly like the light went on and I knew that this was what I was created wow. to do. So I'm doing my fellowship and I get this. And over the course of a year, God confirmed it in many ways. And then I felt like God really, my dream became to become that, like whatever that is. And you know how sometimes when you know you have this dream, like say you're a business owner or you're an entrepreneur or you are in education, whatever, you're pursuing a degree, you just sort of know what you want, but you're not 100% sure, but you just know, like, I'm going down that path because I've got this vision. And, mm. and I, it was that that was happening in my heart. And so I gave my, you know, I, I said to God, okay, I, I believe you've called me to do this. And now for 10, 15 years now, the 2001 to now, 16 years, I've sort of been juggling both worlds. And at different points, God has, you know, changed the balance of it. And one of the challenges of living those, so, so to me, this Living Life Unleashed is finding that thing that you were created to do and doing it. Right, right. right. Well, taking it, you took uh, what at the time might have been a small step, but it was the first step. Correct. And sometimes Correct. we, the step doesn't look like we want it to, or we keep ignoring the step yep. or whatever the case is, but you took the step and then the steps. And I, I think you said 15 Huge. or 16 years yeah. to get to this point. So another thing to just be reminded of is living a life unleashed is a, a continual journey and process. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a microwave experience that right. all of a sudden I'm living a life unleashed. Well, to give you an example... In that first five years of that 15, I ended up writing a book called Stripped, hmm. which talks about the pain of the process. And I think it's hilarious because I think it's like <laughs> now I look back and think, oh, my gosh, like if I knew <laughs> what you were what getting into, was, if you were going mean, to be stripped of everything. Yeah, yeah. And like the truth, this is the, this is what it means to pursue your dreams. And I think, you know, and I think, you know, anyone who is pursuing something understands it. But there's so much fear. And so, the, you know, the things that have stood in my way, I mean, I think, you know, there's four or five that really come to mind. And I think we've sort of talked about them, but just in terms of like if, to summarize them. One is this. Um, f well, I guess I'll, it's called the balance act. OK, really balancing the job and calling. And and I think many people, John Acuff talks about that a lot, about the hustle and how, you know, for years he had, he was doing two things and eventually switched to one. And I think many people understand that, that there's a season mm -hmm. of doing a lot. Because it has to happen. Moms who are listening understand that. They might have a career. They put it on hold or they do it part-time. They, they're juggling two worlds. And it's temporary. After a few years, the kids are going to go to school. Eventually, they're going to graduate. And a whole new world's going to open up to them. But what they do in that season and how they manage it is so critical. So the balancing act has definitely been a struggle of 
a dynamic struggle that has had to be reevaluated. So I started at Children's Memorial Hospital. Nine years into my career, I left that to go into community medicine. Now, seven years later, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, going to PRN and so doing telemedicine. So you're right. I mean, there's, there's things that have to be, there's compromise. Right. And a lot of hard work and blood, sweat, and tears. And also what I hear in that too is you didn't just kind of I'm an ER doctor. Now I'm jumping ship to do this. You you kept yeah. your day job and you kept looking for opportunities to stoke the fire yeah. of this passion and where well, you and, felt like. And, and unless we deceive people, I mean, I'm still seeing patients with telemedicine. Sure. So I, I mean, I'm still bringing in an income with that because I'm because the reality is dreams sometimes are nightmares. <laughs> right. Right. You know, like, I mean, but you, I think that the no. point is for people out there who are thinking, oh, my job, I know this isn't what I meant to do. There's something else. It's like, it's okay to stay where you're at and look for opportunities yeah. to, to and, and, and love it. Like I right. love medicine. That's, yeah, that's the truth of it is. And I'm blessed in that. I mean, but I genuinely love patient care. And so it's no sweat for me. I've told the Lord a million times, I'm happy to just do that. But when you have a calling that's mm. struggling on my life, on your life, it's hard to, you know, there's that thing that, so, so now how does it, and you're right. How do you, like, if you're 22 listening to this, you want to bail on college and give yourself, your parents might be saying to you, finish your degree. Cause it's so important to have a degree. I believe their parents are right because right. you gotta be equipped. And, the, and, and when you're equipped, I think God will open doors that you never expected that uh, I think are just, so, so that's one thing, but here's another one focusing on the one thing. Hmm. I think that has been hard over the years propagated by social media because it, it's easy to want to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's easy, even it's funny. I do a lot of things and people sometimes think I do a lot of different things, but I don't, I have one thing that all fall under a I lot of things that fall under the truth one thing for everyday yeah. life. Mm -hmm. I do it for a while. I had a podcast that I haven't recorded for a few weeks for a while. I did, you know, it's, it's taken different shapes. Now we do morning minutes, the audios, everything that I do is aimed at ultimately just taking this Bible, this God's word, God's spoken to us in his word and bringing it to life by making it understandable to people and, and how it really relates to you and how it, it can give you freedom because it brings you into deeper relationship with God. Everything I do is under that one big umbrella. Mm -hmm. And, and, and now this in the last two months, I've had to really hone in on this because it's so tempting to want to be heard nationally, for instance, as a person who writes and speaks and it's so tempting to say, okay, well, I got to comment on Let's say the DACA, what is it DACA? Is there, do you call it DACA or DACA? It's going on yeah, now. And that's yeah, yeah. just, is it, can I call it DACA? Mm -hmm. that I think so. It? Okay. Yeah. So, or like you want to comment on the refugee crisis or you want to comment on race or you want to, I mean, every, everything Trump does, you want to comment on. And you become like, then you're going, wait a second. Why do I have to, you know, like, come on, you know, a Nashville statement comes out about, you know, the church and their stance on the homosexual movement and on and on. Like, you're like, wow, I'm exhausted. Well, yes, because you're not meant to comment on everything all mm. the time and be informed, but that's okay. And there's a pressure now yeah. that if you're not commenting on if you're something, silent, you must you're take not, a certain position yes. or you don't stand up. For and it. I think yeah. we've got to fight that because now speak when you need to speak, but, but don't do it because people expect you to speak. And so I've had to sort of say, okay. I got to stop and think, what is my, what, what am I about? What has God called me to? Right. And that might mean skipping conversations on Twitter because a, they're not, they're taking me away from the thing that I'm meant to do. It's, right. It's Distracting helpful. you. It's like keeping the main thing, the main thing. That. So you said balancing act, keeping the main thing, yep. the main thing, and almost it's like a vision or mission statement and being able to say, okay, does this thing over here, does it aid in me? 
furthering in yep. my mission or vision or does it detract? So we really need to get clear yep. on that. Yeah. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Who is your, who you're trying to reach? Right. The hardest question that I've had to answer in building my nonprofits has been, who are we really trying to reach? Mm. And I've done a lot of work on that. And then, and then this, we've talked a bit about comparing self to others, this affirmation thing. So that was another barrier. That's kind another of barrier. Yeah. I've had that's to me took on a shape of a stronghold, mm. literally a stronghold that I've had to go through prolonged seasons of saying no Twitter and Facebook on my phone. Yeah. Unfollow on Instagram. People who I like as friends, but couldn't handle following. Because? Because I would get jealous of them. Yeah. And I don't know their the full story, but right. I know enough to say they're speaking and I'm not. They're doing this. I'm not. They're got this, you know, all of it, everything imaginable. And I just realized I even like these people. Now I hate them because I'm watching, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's just destructive. Right. So comparison can be an obstacle because maybe it, it discourages oh, us. it's a or, huge obstacle. Yeah. Or we get envious or jealous and that kind of stuff. Or you think over. I'm never going to make a difference because look, they're, you know, they're reaching millions. What is my voice going to do? Oh girl, I hear you on that. And there's probably people listening right now. There's a dream that you have and you're thinking, but there's already a book on that or someone's yep. already serving in that way. And but not, when we think, I mean, just to reassure yeah. the listener who's thinking that, like today, I was talking with, with a lady who is my first publisher, and I was like, yeah, man, waiting, the topic of waiting keeps going back, but who needs another book on waiting? And you're like, as you say it, you kind of think, really? Like, if God wants you to write on waiting, write on waiting. Like, you know, stop worrying about what other people are doing. But I do the, I do the same thing because we just think what, we, we begin to think, well, what difference can I possibly make? But I'm convinced, and I, I want to continue to be convinced of this, is that if there is a passion, if there is a mm. vision, if there is a dream, like the last thing that I want to do, one of my biggest fears is kind of getting to the pearly gates of heaven, so they say, yeah. and God saying, oh, like you, you had this dream. I was cheering you yeah. on. Why didn't yes. you go for it? You know, so yes. we get so tied to results and outcome. And of course we want to make an impact, but I want to be more known for, did I say yes to, and did I allow that dream in me to be fully unleashed and not be tied to the praise of man, not be tied to the outcome? Yep. Because a lot of times uh, pursuing our dream. Well, yeah. And and that's a process too. I mean, there's no quick fix in that. It's learning. It's, uh, it's seeing your triggers, being honest about them and, and, and just really, I mean, to the point you just, there's some, uh, I mean, there are seasons where I've had to put in like, not just not put the thing on my phone, but even put like codes on my phone that my sister has managed, you know, cause I trust her. She's like, you know, basically my soulmate. And so, you know, like, like I've had accountability. Yeah. That's, that it's, is great. It's huge. And so I think those are the type of things that I think you can't like, th- that could detract you. Yep. You could be so preoccupied with everybody else doing and, and get off the, your own stuff. And then two more and I'll, I'll finish with the obstacles. I don't know how much how I'm doing on time here, but, um, fear of failure mm. and, and really you know, overcoming fear of past disappointments, which is really tied to this fear of failure. I mean, I cannot tell you how until I finally, I think I finally felt the beginning of some victory in that where now I just like, I, it's like, if you, it's like, it's like, what's that? The Heisman. Like I just shove those, fe- like hmm. I just really have become very aggressive about fighting down fears in the sense I wasn't before for years as I've kind of navigated this world of writing and, you know, doing all these things that have measures of. How do you do that? How do you fight it? Now, yeah. now I just plow. Like, it's like, like, I just like, I, I'm going to do this. I don't, I ignore, I don't follow any stats. None. My, I have an assistant who's a volunteer who's a master student at Trinity Irena. Everyone who knows my work knows about Irena now. 
together. She is huge. Like without anything I do, without her, nothing would be done. And literally, I let her follow the numbers. I don't care. I don't watch them. I used to watch them all the time. And honestly, it brought me nothing but yeah. discouragement. And so now I come up with a project. If I feel compelled to do it, if I feel it's honoring to God, if I feel I can do it, I just do it. And I just move forward and I find a way to get it done. And I just don't, I mean, you know, I, whenever the thought comes out, I practice Second Corinthians 10, which is I cast down every imagination and high thought that, you know, take every thought captive, captive to the yeah. of Christ. I basically, and when I start going down, I'm not perfect, so I'm going to veer back into old habits. Now I noticed my, Irina has a trick. I noticed her last yesterday, 11 o'clock at night. I emailed her something I, by mistake. I actually had it, I just I'm going to Lebanon so I reintegrated Facebook and Twitter because I need to have access so I saw someone tweeting someone's schedule and I said it to her I go man I wish we were getting this kind of invitations and she she has this knack now she's so good she sent me oh I feel bad you know she writes she goes but and then she takes it back to who God is mm -hmm. and she every email for the past three weeks I've noticed that she takes me back to the goodness of God the character of God and I think the only way to combat feelings of failure and disappointment is not to focus on self and oh my work is so good but it's to say okay i know god is good i know he wants what's good for me i know that he will open the doors when i need it mm -hmm. i know that he has a perfect plan so it's focusing on him that frees you from this fear there's no other way right and the it sounds like a trite statement but i think there's relevant feel the fear and do it anyway we all yeah. experience fear in our life but it's like yeah. what what is the what's the consequence of we not pursuing this is anxiety and worry we're just not leaving leading a fulfilled life and making our best contribution to yeah. other people so it's like we have to feel the fear and do it anyway. And I love what you said earlier about accountability. We have to have a community around us that are champions for us. Like and, who? And yeah, focus on, I mean, where are you, where, I mean, if the fear is my stuff isn't good enough, then get better. Right. You know, and one of the gifts, I think in, I joined the blogging world early on when people were blogging so much, you know, I was not, in, early, I was an early adapter, not an you know initiator or whatever. But I think that, um, that one of the things that I helped to, which again, I quoted John Hickoff earlier. I'll say he was, he's always been a fan of that. Just, he doesn't look for perfection. I always agreed. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just get it out. And oh, I get so stuck in that. I know oh. many people do. And oh. now it depends what, if you're a scientist, you have to be hundred <laughs> yeah, percent accuracy. But if you're right? writing a blog, like just get it good enough. And you be know? open and, to criticism and, and feedback. And, and yeah. that's how I learned to write. I was writing seven days a week early on, make room for mistakes and be grateful for the small audiences early on because when you fail, and you will, yeah. you're going to feel small, and you're going to learn so that when you get to, and you will, if you keep going, if you don't give up, you're going to get to where you're going to have the hundreds and then the thousands. It's just, the, you know, this is how it works. It just takes time. The right. people who end up making are the ones who don't quit at the end of the day. They That's have good. so much vision that they stay in it. They're and determined. So, and the last yeah. obstacle to me as a Christian woman, and mm -hmm. I mean, your audience is mostly women, I believe, is finding my place in the church hmm. and really understanding sort of how to practice my leadership skills in a church setting that really was not the most uh, empowering, I would use that word, empowering to women in leadership. Hmm. You know, like as long as you did your thing on this side of the room, you were fine. That sort of mentality is how I grew up. And so understanding how as a very vocal leader type woman, I would fit into that church structure. And I think the tendency for all of us is to say, I'm gonna just leave that structure. But if you're in that structure because you believe in that structure, then you have to be thoughtful and prayerful and I think creative into how to grow in leadership 
without, you know, throwing out, like you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I mean, I think there's, and so that has been a big point of navigation for me. Right. And how you grow there. Tell, yeah. tell us a little, let's spend it in the handful of minutes we have left. What does it mean to set goals that are bigger than ourselves? I think that's something that we were chatting before this on, on Facebook messaging, and you talked a little bit about setting goals. How, how can you help define what what that means, setting a goal bigger than us, and what are some steps in setting goals and then moving towards accomplishing them that you might yeah. help our listeners with? Well, two things. First of all, if you're um, if you're if you can accomplish your dream on your own, if you can do it, if it's a dream, you can. It's probably not from God. I think that most God-given dreams you can, you'll never be able to do on your own. This is a fact. I mean, think. I, mean, I love the Bible because it's so real with stories of people who had dreams. And I mean, Joseph is such a great example of that. But I mean, no one even understood his dream. But it was. It was. It's just bigger than him. And I think. I think you know. I think sometimes we want to force ourselves to verbalize what the dream is. I think the dream evolves. Um, I mean, I wanted to win the world for Jesus when I started down this path, and I still do. But what does that mean? Mm. So I never at the time two thousand. One was when I felt called to ministry. They didn't even have iPhones. They didn't even have smartphones. It never occurred to me. What, apps? We didn't know what they were. So, so now, so your dream could be something, again, that you can't do without God. Um, I think that, that, I think, you know, for me as a Christian, obviously has eternal values, you know, so it can be, but, but that's nebulous. If you tell someone, well, sure. my dream is to tell everybody in the world about Jesus, what does that mean? So the moment I started blogging, that dream sort of became more concrete, which is, I had a vision that it, it's not vision. Like I didn't see stuff, although I believe, I wish God would give me more <laughs> visions like that. I'm always envious if you're like, well, I get visions from God all the time. Great. I wish I get them. I pray <laughs> for them. But I, it was a sense, like I just knew that the internet, the web, like as I started using it more, that that would be a way to reach the world. And I really believe to this day, people listen to stuff that I put out and watch stuff that would never do it if it wasn't for the web. So I saw the potential of the web at the time. Again, so, so to say, well, my dream entails having a daily audio devotional. What the heck? I mean, I didn't, we didn't have the, so you see right. the point of that. You can, so, so I think a vision is bigger than you. A dream is bigger than you can only be accomplished with God working on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And I think is fluid and with time can even become bigger. I have bigger dreams now as I've now I do work in the Middle East. So now I'm now it's not just, okay, I want to reach the world, but now I can. So now I'm going to Lebanon tomorrow to do my fourth or fifth, I think, medical trip where we do relief with refugees who are still living in tents. I mean, their situations haven't changed. And my challenge, I'm constantly asking, God, like, what is our vision here? How can we, because we feel so small. We're not the Red Cross. We're not, you know, the UN. And so how, how do we change places. And so we're doing it now in the way that we know how, which is to create community with the same, you know, with this, in the same areas to go back again and again, because I think that's how you, but what then? And, and I think if you're too frozen by the what then, you'll never do anything. Mm. I think sometimes as you go along the way, God will give you the, the answers. Right, right. And it's just reminding ourselves that if we have this vision, what is the next step I can take? That's it. And if we yeah. don't take the next step, then we won't know the next step after that. But it is taking risks. It's stepping out of the and, box. And, and, and you know that there are moments that are just divine. Like I mm -hmm. think about some of the big things that have happened. In, uh, well, writing, writing. I'll tell you some cool God stories because there's many of them when you stop and think about them. But like, okay, like you start a blog and you think, you know, and then you write and you write and you think, why isn't anybody noticing? Why isn't my mom is reading it? And my sister reads it and three other people. And then you convince them and you think you've broken barriers. It's stupid because then people like, that's not the dream, right? Right. And then 10, you know, eight years into it, you get an email from the woman who I spoke with today, my first publisher out of the rain, the blue, I delete it, put it in my trash because mm. I think it's a hoax. And she's like, I'm a moody publisher and I'm interested in seeing if you've ever considered writing a trade book 
for singles on singleness. I had to Google what trade book meant. I didn't understand <laughs> the lingo. I pulled it out of my trash bin, showed my assistant at the time I was working at a big church in Chicago. And, and that was my foray into writing. Right. After I, three years ago, four years ago, I left a church in a kind of big drawing decision in my life. And it was out of that, that the Lord lay, you know, kind of opened up the doors to do you know, the Arabic work. And, and then Moody also called me about doing a radio thing. That's how the radio came. So it wasn't things that I even foresaw. I think sometimes God intervenes mm-hmm. in our vision path right. as we surrender to him and say, yes, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. And I think, yeah, some of it is us waking up in the morning and, and growing our art and doing the things that we need to do to get better at what we're doing. But I think there's also these moments of just pure divine inspiration of Joseph getting a call saying, Pharaoh had a dream and you're the yeah. only guy here who can interpret this. And dream. are we ready and available to hear God's voice and to listen and take that next step, which is really critical. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I just love hearing your story and I'm so inspired by you and I can't wait to see what's next as more and Me more too. opportunities. Do you have another book on the horizon? Or Well, I'm working on a lot of projects right now. It's oh, a boy. good season. My app is going to be rich with material and I'm developing lots of content. So actually, if uh, yeah, that I mean, if, if people want to find out more about what what I'm doing, probably just download the app, Living With Power. It is pretty awesome. Some of you the know, stuff you guys, coming. it is super awesome. There's video on there. There's audio. There's just a ton of stuff to download. So go to the Living With Power app to get more of Lena and her wisdom. And you can also go to her website, livingwithpower.org, and you'll find a lot of information there as well. Well, we love you guys. Keep living into living a life unleashed. We're rooting for you. We're standing with you. And we'll see you next time.